Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott's Got a Podcast. And today I'm joined by Chris Nora. Chris, how are we? Yeah, I'm all right. Yourself? I'm very well, mate. And I'm joined by Graham McCormack, who is the host of the local podcast. Graham, how are we? I'm not too bad, Scott. And finally, we're joined by Callum McFadden, who is the host of the Football CFB podcast. Callum, welcome back to the show, mate. Delighted to be back, Scott. Um, spoke, obviously, a few months ago and really enjoyed it. So when you reached out, I was absolutely buzzing to come back on. Oh, you're more than welcome, mate. So we'll dive right into it, right? So we'll speak about Celtic's defeat to St Mirren at the weekend at Celtic Park. St Mirren beat Celtic 2-1 for the first time in 31 uh, years at Celtic Park. Graham, I'll start with you. You're a big St Mirren fan. You must have been delighted with that performance from St Mirren. I mean, aye, what a, what a performance. You know, the, the last time we won, it was so significant. We've actually got a chant about it. Um, so it was, it was great to see. And just a shame that there was no fans in there to watch it. I think the thing that surprised me the most was that it wasn't even a smash and grab win. It was a, it was a win that was fully deserved. I think we, we took the game to them. Uh, when Jim Goodwin set up his initial team, uh, I mean, I'll admit it, on social media, I was shocked that he decided to drop quite a few of our key players in exchange for a back three. And I was just really impressed with how he set up and how well we, we dealt with Celtic Press. No, absolutely. I thought the football St Mirren played was really, really good stuff. And like I've always said this about Jim, uh, Jim Goodwin's side, uh, it's always very well organised, very well drilled, very difficult to break down. And St Mirren have beat Rangers and Celtic this season. Like, that is some achievement. So it is. And St Mirren are flying right now, Graham. honestly. Like, top six, you said to me to start a season, or we'll get top six, I don't, I'm not too sure. But this season, 100%, mate, you are getting it. Well, the, the, the ball's in our court anyway right now, um, despite losing to Hibs the other night, we're... Uh... We've still got two games in hand over, uh, I think, Dundee United and St Johnston, and, and and we're sitting pretty in sixth place. So, you know, it's our, it's our spot to lose now. Absolutely. So, uh, Calm, I'll come to you, mate. Right, You're a big Celtic man. What were your thoughts on that performance at the weekend from Celtic? It just sums up Celtic season. It sums up Celtic season. You're, you're spot on, but I'd say to you all fair, I'll be honest with you. I, I think St Mirren deserve all the praise from the game rather than the negatives with Celtic. Celtic were on Saturday what Celtic have been all season. They were disorganised. They were relying on on individuals like Shane Duffy who has shown numerous times that he's not up to it. I know he's had some tough personal issues. He's, the death of his father was was something that I know from my own personal experience is, is something that's incredibly hard to deal with. So I do have sympathy for Shane Duffy and he could be accused potentially of, as daft as it sounds, trying too hard to make amends for, for some of the errors he's made. But Celtic, have, as I say, on Saturday they just summed up what they've been for the majority of the season. Uh, powder puff for most of the game. And, and in my opinion, St Mirren played good football. I thought Jim Goodwin got set up spot on. They looked like a team that were organised, well-drilled, who were confident in, in their play, confident in, in, in what they had to do to, to break between the lines. And it's a complete contrast with Celtic. So, for me, as, as much as Celtic will get the negatives and the headlines, I, I, I think St Mirren deserve the praise and Jim Goodwin deserves the praise. You just spoke about the club sitting sixth with two games in hand over some of the rivals. That's a monumental achievement for, for Jim Goodwin. He got to a National Cup semi-final as well. So, for me, he deserves applaudits as does St Mirren. They were unlucky against Hibs as, 
as Graham said, but if they finish top six, and I think they will, they fully deserve it, and full credit to them for their performance on Saturday. Absolutely, and Chris, I'll come to you. How much is uh, St Mirren pressed you this season? Because as I said, like at the start of the season, I thought, right, St Mirren will stay up, but I, I did not see them fighting for top six whatsoever. But what's your thoughts on how well St Mirren have performed this season? Yeah, I've been thoroughly impressed. Um, I'll go back to your comment. Um, obviously, Graham's comments start the season. I think that would be kind of like the kind of optimistic attitude that you expect from supporters of such clubs in the top flight. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like, hmm, yeah, but probably be more down the bottom end of the table. And then obviously they had they had dealt with a lot of adversity. There was the games that were postponed with COVID outbreaks and stuff. And I think they got awarded a game or two against them, but they've since been overturned. But yeah, they've definitely overcame a lot of adversity through it all and they're sitting in a very healthy spot at this point in the season and it's really in their own hands now. Their destiny's in their own hands to finish in the top six. Absolutely. And Graham, we'll come to you here, right? See, going into that game at the weekend against Celtic, were you like, right, we can get something off here? We can get something off Celtic here? Like, like, was it, was see the fear factor of Celtic, was that completely out the window considering how well St Mirren have played this season? Um, I think because we beat Dundee United so emphatically a few days before away from home, uh, I did have a kind of false optimism uh, that, that 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 proved out to be to be correct. Because I, I thought, you know, I think we can we can at least keep a point here or, or get a win. Because I, I don't know, we just we, we when we when we play the old form, we've seemed to play pretty well this season, apart from the first game at, uh, at Ibrooks. So. Yeah, I think I was feeling positive going into the game, definitely. So uh, I just want to touch on the League Cup semi-final against Livy. Did you feel as though that was a missed opportunity? Because I remember in the Scott score chat, obviously I was being my usual self winding you up. And uh, I was uh, obviously bigging up uh, Livy. But do you feel as though that was a missed opportunity for St Mirren to actually go on and win that cup, considering he's knocked out Rangers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We beat, we beat Aberdeen and Rangers and you know, to arguably two of the of the hardest teams in the tournament just to get put out by Livingston, who are also a great side, but it's still disappointing. I think on the day it just came down to Jim Goodwin just got his team wrong and set them up wrong. And um Livingston took advantage of that. We 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 try to play them at their own game and and, you know, we got roundly beaten. And uh you know it's a it's, it's a big missed opportunity. Maybe our best chance to win silverware for for a while but you know, got to, got to look at the positives overall. He's done very well. And we're having a good season, so I, I won't. I'll try not to dwell on it too much. So, here's a question for you. Right, I know he won a cup, but who's who? Who would you say is better, Jim Goodwin or Danny Lennon? Or is it too early to say? Throwing that one oh, at Jim you. Goodwin, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, Danny Lennon can never get this cons- level of consistency out of us. No way. I know, and we've spoken it's- about it in the pod before about how. Um, we felt as though Danny Lennon was hard done by from St Mirren and then obviously Tommy Craig got appointed and then that was a unmitigated disaster, shall we say. But uh, speaking about Livy, uh, I'll come to you, Callum, here. It's great news that David Martindale has passed the fit and proper test and he's flying at Livy right now, isn't he? He's flying and he's an absolute inspiration. Um, we talk a lot in society about mental health and we're speaking today is it's time to talk day and I think 
David Martindale's story should inspire everyone that's been through struggles or disappointments in their life because just because you made a mistake, even if it's a big mistake 10 years ago or two years ago or whatever it may be, you deserve a second chance in life. And if you don't give people second chances, then they'll never reform their character because they know that they're already set for defeat. So he's an inspiration when you look at the fact that he was in the juniors. Um, you mentioned Scott Pittman, who was also in the juniors about five or six years ago. And now he's managing Livy and taking them to a National Cup uh, final, having been undefeated for 13 or 14 games it is now. So he's an absolute inspiration. I loved his chat when he was asked to be proper, where he said, I've been telling my missus to make me cups of coffee because I'm a fit and proper person now. And, and uh, she's still saying no. And he said to the, the players... Um, against Celtic in that, that first game where they, they, they drew in the first game after they passed the test, he said, my team talk was simple. Lads, this is the first ever time I've been a fit and proper person. Better get out there and get the win for me. So he's, he's, he's a breath of fresh air. He's down to earth. He's humble. And I think even people that don't support Livingston have got time for David Martindale because not only is his story inspiring, but he's just a happy-go-lucky character. And I love characters like that in Scottish football. Dick Campbell is a character like that, I think. Um, David Martindale says probably a wee bit chilled compared to Dick Campbell, but um, I think when you get happy-go-lucky characters like that, you've got to make the most of them because they make the game better. And fair play to Livingston, when they got promoted to the top flight with David Hopkins, of course, via the playoffs, a lot of people probably thought they're coming up. Kenny Miller left after three or four games. They'll be straight back down. They'll not be staying here for long, but Credit to them, but they've been they've been pushing for top six. They're in a national cup. Um, they're in a national cup final. They could even finish third with the momentum they've got. So nothing but positive things to say about the job he's done there. It's it's inspiring when you consider their budget as well. I know people talk about the plastic pitch, but the way I look at it is that it affects both teams. And I, I'm sure if you asked the Livingston players what they'd rather play on, they'd probably say grass. So the way I see it is that's blown out of proportion, and they deserve all the credit they get. No, absolutely. And see the like the form they're in right now. Do you think it's possible? Like, just say they eat Levy finishing the top five. Can you see David Martindale get manager of the year? Like, even obviously, even if Stephen Gerrard, no, not even like when Gerrard does win the League of Rangers, do you think that Levy making the top five would surpass what Gerrard's doing? Do you think? I think if Livingston finished third, you could have a serious argument there. Say they finished third and won the cup. I think. I think you'd have to give it to David Martindale, right? I think I think you would, because for Livy to finish third and win a cup, a national a national trophy would be incredible. But as I say, Gerard Gerard will be manager of the year unless Livy do that. Do I think they'll be able to do both? If I'm being honest, probably not, because if they were to win the cup, you, you imagine celebrations etc. would kick in and they might drop a few points in, in the games after it. Gerard for me will be manager of the year. The contenders for manager of the year this year, in my opinion, will be, um, I think you'll see Gerard in the running for it. I think you'll see Martindale, Jim Goodwin, as we speak now, and, and probably somebody like Stevie Crawford at Dunfermline, who's got them really challenging. Um, as I say, I think I think Gerard has to win it because if you ask most people at the start of the season, myself included, I spoke to, to Big Andy Ritchie um, for our SPFL show and we were back in Celtic. We thought it'd be close, but we thought, Celtic will win them maybe five points. Well, they're 20-odd points behind and that gap has been not only cut, it's been cleared and now Rangers have created the gap. So as far as I'm concerned, Stephen Gerrard should be manager of the year unless Martindale, as I say, finishes third and wins a trophy, which 
which I think would be utterly exceptional. I don't think it'll happen. So, as I say, Gerard for me, manager of the year, hands down. The job he's done this season, not only in domestic football and European football, don't forget that, he's been good in Europe over the piece at Rangers, it has to be commended. Uh, St Mirren defeating the Cup, of course, was disappointing, but Scott, you know better than me. Would you rather win the League Cup and the Scottish Cup and lose the league? Of course, you wouldn't. The league's a priority for Rangers this season. He's set to deliver that. And and as I say, full respect to him because I, I was wrong. I predicted Celtic to win the league and, and I'm more than happy to hold my hands up now and say I got it wrong and, and Rangers deserve to win the league when it happens. When you don't lose a game in the league, about tw- however many games we're in now, you, <laughs> you can't argue against that. Fantastic, bro. Oh, honestly, Calum, I think you're absolutely spot on with everything you said there. Like, like the obviously the job that Gerard has done at Rangers has has like it's been phenomenal. And see when we appointed Gerard at first, like box office signing in terms of his name, the player he is, and the career he had, I was over the moon with it because it was a it was a risk, absolutely, but it was one that I was willing to take. Uh, and see what Gerard's done right is he surrounded himself with great people, like great coaches. Like I, I did say from the start, if Gerard's going to do well, he needs to get himself in the right environment with the right people. And he's got Gary McAllister there, who is a brilliant coach, well for experience, knows the game inside out. And he's got Michael Beal as well, a fantastic tactician, great coach. And you can see like the like how well the players are working and how well they're coached, you know. So like I, I did say at the start as well, Gerard needs time. And there's going to be a few bumps along the way, and we've seen that. And see now, uh, Callum, we're, we're getting the just rewards for it because obviously Rangers are flying right now. And you mentioned the Europa League. Like people are seeming to forget Rangers are in the last 32 Europa League, and Rangers have a very good chance of actually doing really well in that competition. We've done brilliant so far, but there's a good chance. I'm not getting too optimistic here, right? Or too confident. I think there's a really good chance we can at, like, at least make the quarterfinals if the draw is in our favour. Well, you've got to look at it, Scott, and you've got to say you're, what, six games away from winning the title? If you wrap that up soon, which is to be expected. This is a big thing. I, I'm interested to ask you. I know it's your show, so apologies for asking your well, question. Ask me any questions, mate. I, I, I prefer <laughs> that. <laughs> see, see if Rangers sew the league up, are you bothered about staying unbeaten or would you rest, rest players to focus in the Europa League and see how far you can go? Right. Um, this is so... I said this in the chat last night. See, going into every game, I'm still a wee bit nervous because I want this unbeaten run. I don't really want this to rest players. We've got a strong squad as it is, but see when the league does get wrapped up, I don't want us to just play fringe players and like play a B squad. I want us to go for that unbeaten run and also focus on the Europa League. Like, obviously, we can't play our best aren't eleven every game. That that's just not sustainable. But like going into every game, we can't just play fringe players in like we get complacent because going unbeaten is a huge thing it is huge and Celtic done it back in uh, the 2016-17 season but this season this team is more than capable of going unbeaten you know and that's the thing like when we do win the league I just hope the heads don't drop a bit and we get a bit complacent and whatever and then like even going into Europa League games where you just say, for hypothetically speaking, we're in a bad run of form where we're dropping points when the league's won. Then we go into the Europa League game, then we just play terrible, you know. I don't want that at all. So I think Gerard's got that mindset and that winning mentality where he will not accept anything but the best. And you can like you see that as well when we win a game like 1-0 or whatever. Gerard comes out and he still critiques the team 
perfectly. He doesn't come out and say, delighted buzzing. He'd be like, no, we could have done that better. We could have done this better. Like, he wants the best standard. And you be always, one thing I've noticed about Rangers, see if we're having a poor first half, right? Second half, we always get a reaction because Gerard goes right through them. He always, like, drills into them, like, no, we need the best. Like, you need to start up in your game. And that that's what I love about it. Like, he's brought the... The standards, the standards of Walter Smith back, and that's something that Rangers has been missing since Walter Smith left. Spot on. Uh, I think you're you're right. Standards under under Walter Smith were, were very high, and I remember, funnily enough, I wrote an article um, last year um, when Rangers had a wee blip, and I'd said if Gerard was to leave at the tail end of last season, then Walter Smith was probably the only man that could come in and and handle this season, but fair play to him, as, as I've said a few times already, he's, he's stepped up to the plate, and if you're a Rangers fan, there can be, be no complaints. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just, I'll, I'll come to you, Graham, on this, right? See, when Steven Gerrard was appointed, what were you thinking at the time? Were you thinking, no, it's a publicity stunt, they're just, this is just, look at the Rangers looking for good PR here, this won't work out. What was your thoughts in the, when Rangers did appoint Gerrard? Um, well, when Gerard joined Rangers, he was he was kind of an un, an unknown quantity, so to speak, because his only experience was with the Liverpool youth teams, I believe. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, obviously he's a guy that carries a lot of uh, stature and weight around his name. So, you know, I thought I thought he'd he'd at least command the respect to the players when he came in, but you know, at that time he's he just had Pedro Caixinha on the back of Mark Warburton. So, you know, think as a club you weren't in the, in, in the best position. So. When you when you sign a guy like Steven Gerrard, that's bound to you know turn a few heads anyway, and it'll, it'll attract a higher caliber of player. Because I mean, who's not going to want to play for one of the best midfielders of the modern era? You know. No, you're absolutely spot on, Graham. Because the fact that we got Gerrard was huge, and it was it was great for season ticket sales. Like Rangers fans lapped it up, and when he arrived at Ibrox, it, like there was like fans in the stadium like applauding him, celebrating the fact we've got a box office name. You know, and like Chris, we were talking off air, right? Uh, like me and Cal were talking off air, like we're talking about how season ticket sales are coming up for Celtic, right? And Celtic, the Celtic mm-hmm. board are doing absolutely nothing to entice Celtic fans to fork out £600 for a season ticket. Like the fans are so disenchanted, they're angry with, with what's happened this season. This is one of the biggest seasons in Celtic's history and it's just obviously it's been a disaster, but like it's baffling how Celtic have still got Neil Lennon as, uh, as manager, but they haven't even tried to get the finger out and try and entice the Celtic fans to buy some tickets or get a, a big name in to be their manager. Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think it doesn't help, obviously, how unpredictable the COVID situation is. Um, obviously, fans are still locked out. Um, going forward, it's unclear how much longer fans will be continuing to be locked out for. So, um, I do think that some fans might not want to, well, obviously fans won't want to commit if they don't have some kind of rough ideas to how much longer they'll be locked out for. And they'll need they'll need to give us back something, given how not only the seasons went, obviously, but the fact that we've had to watch it all virtually. They'll need to refund us something for that and give us a huge discount next season to try and entice uh, a lot of disenfranchised fans back. No, I think you're absolutely spot on, Chris, with what you said there. 
and we'll just start from the beginning where it like because I said this episode was about where it went wrong for Celtic and I've got the two best people on to discuss that right so we'll go back to the beginning in pre-season right uh, Callum so, so pre-season happened and already red flags were coming out of Celtic camp right away when Lee Griffiths turned up unfit and Lennon lambasted him in the press, lambasted him. And it's, it's still concerning the fact that Lee Griffiths is like, we're in February and he still isn't fit. I'm no fan of Lee Griffiths, right? And I think that's well documented, but like obviously Lee Griffiths needs to take accountability for himself. But it, it is like seeing that like in terms of Neil Lennon's coaching and management, don't you think that is worrying the fact that one of his players is still unfit and Lennon still continues to play him? Uh, it is worrying, and, and to be honest with you, Scott, see, see if you just run through some of the incidents of the season, it kind of sums up the the rumours and the, the chatter that you hear about Neil Lennon's regimes as a manager. Now, I'm going to be very honest and open. I've never played under Neil Lennon. I've never been in a dressing room or a training ground with him, so I couldn't say anything for sure about the way he works, right? But in his first time at the club, a lot of a lot of the time it was said that players were given days off and it was quite laid back and they were winning games, they were winning trophies. So I imagine nobody's going to complain. Of course, they're not going to complain when that's happening. You look at Lee Griffiths turning up unfit. You look at the ball and goalie incident where he went to Spain and, and obviously the fallout that came from that, which put Celtic in the back foot straight away with, with having games to catch up in. You then fast forward towards Dubai um, and that debacle. And the, the one similarity with all of those incidents is a lax mentality, a, a mentality that says, I'll just do what I want and, 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 and stuff what anybody thinks. Griffiths, we're, we're turning up one foot after, after last season, getting into this season, which Celtic and the, the, as a club should, be, should have been preparing for as the biggest season in a long, long time um, to, to, to make history that hadn't been done before. So you would think you would have added motivation rather than less. Ball and goalie again, you think you would have added motivation to work for your manager and your club rather than less. Then you look at Dubai. Now, Neil Lennon said footballers are allowed a day off and they're allowed a break. Of course they are. Footballers are human beings. They, they enjoy a beer. They enjoy a nice meal. They enjoy a takeaway, just as, just as we all do here. But see when you've just lost to Rangers, see when you're 20-odd points behind in the league, and that you're in the middle of a global pandemic. See, going to a foreign country at a time when all the big English clubs who do these mega tours every year to make as much money as they can, see when none of them are going away, that tells you how serious it is, because if it was safe to do so, they'd be away milking it and making money. Of course they would have. And the first thing that's pictured is players having a beer by a pool, being huddled together, or not huddled literally, but being close together in a, in a bar later that evening. It's not a good look. And I know Neil Lennon can come out and defend it and say, I ah, well, the, the MP who had COVID went on the train and, and this, that, and the next thing. Right, but that's what about it. At the end of the day, what you did was wrong. Be man enough to admit that what you did was wrong. Your chief executive came out and apologised. It wasn't a great apology, let's be honest. But he came out and apologised, and then Neil Lennon doubled down on it all. So a very, very strange situation. And as I say, if you look at three major standpoints from a disciplinary point of view the one thing behind them all in my opinion is that lacks mentality and it might sound harsh and, and this is completely unprecedented i've no evidence of this so as i say i'm, I'm just i'm just speculating you know not to make that clear 
for me, that must come from the top. That must come from the way he sets the atmosphere and sets the tone on a daily basis. Ball and goalie wouldn't he just got on a plane and have a jolly if he didn't think, fuck, that's okay, I can do what I want. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know people can come out and criticise him and they can call him the most unprofessional this, that and, and the next thing. Very easy to say that, but when you look at the Griffiths thing, you look at the Dubai situation and you look at ball and goalie, there has to be an atmosphere of, as I say, a lapsed atmosphere, a relaxed atmosphere of do what you want but when you're away, but make sure you're on it when you're here. And unfortunately, there's no real place for that in modern football. You have to be on every single day. You have to be organised. You have to have drive. And if players don't want to be at a football club, you get rid of them. If Sir Alex Ferguson can turn around to David Beckham and Jap Stam and players of that ilk and say, thanks for your service, on you go, then Celtic should have the bottle to do that this year of all seasons. If not, it's been lax. It's been poor recruitment-wise. It's been poor in keeping players that don't want to be there. And as I said to you off air, Scott Celtic are where they deserve to be for their sheer ineptitude all over the pitch and all over the boardroom this season. Yeah, no, a lot of good points there, Callum. Like you hit the nail on the head. And now just one I want to touch on, obviously, about what you said about Neil Lennon, the whole Dubai thing and ball and goalie, right? When the ball and goalie thing happened, Lennon came out and slaughtered them, absolutely slaughtered them, right? Then a few months go by, Celtic jet off to Dubai, 20 points behind Rangers in the league. Just lost to Rangers in the league at Ibrox. And a few hours later, we're going to Dubai. Ridiculous, right? During a global pandemic. And then Lennon comes back to Scotland, right? After self-isolation, faces the press. You would think, right, Warwell's came out and apologised. Lennon's going to be like, right, we messed up. It was a mistake. No, nope. Neil Lennon basically reverted back to the Neil Lennon of old when he had the Celtic job back in 2011. He was aggressive, confrontational, volatile, and he was he was playing almost he was almost playing the victim saying trying to blame on everyone else saying we've done nothing wrong we we rejected off to the bye yeah during a global pandemic so but what and as you say what there was a lot of what about it you know and you would like he basically just went against what his boss said Peter Lowell you know and John Kennedy came out and literally said that Celtic players. Like, but in terms of the rules, they they were they, they basically they basically came out and said they broke the rules. They, 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 and he went against him as well. It was it was ridiculous. So it was, and it's it just sums up Celtic and the whole Neil Lennon regime where players there's no real disciplinary disciplinary for what they do, you know, and they can just go ahead and do what they want. And I also heard a thing as well that um that see in terms of Celtic's coaching. They're still like the Celtics coaching is still the Brendan Rodgers way, so that just shows you Neil Lennon came back to Celtic with no oomph or no creative uh, ideas, you know. And it was like I think this was like a ticking time bomb as well, Callum, where it was it was just it was it was bound to happen, and it just seemed to happen in Celtic's biggest season, uh, one of one of Celtic's biggest seasons. Did and the one point I would make on Neil Lennon reverting back to old with that press conference, there's only one way that that made sense for me, Scott, and that would have been if that was his last press conference and he was going to lose his job. I could understand him going, you know what, right? I'm out here. I know I'm going to be out here. I'm going to do this press conference. I'm going to come out fighting. I'm going to come out and have a go at the media. I'm going to have a go at the hypocrisy of some of the government, some of the press, some of the other people, the rules, etc. Blah blah blah. But the fact he'd done all that, then remained in post, and then results didn't get better, just made it even worse. 
Um, the press conference after um, the Livingston draw was excruciating. Um, fan media plays a big part in Scottish, Scottish football and that should be applauded. One of the fan media channels of Celtic was on, invited to the press conference as they have been for a while. Neil Lennon was asked, um, is there any way you can you can change your tactics or change your output to, to change results? And he gave a very, very condescending and arrogant response saying, you know why we've not won as many games this season. It's because we were, uh, handy, we're handicapped by COVID situations out with our control. And you're sitting going, out with your control? You were the, you were the one who took your team halfway across the world in a global pandemic. So it was within your control and that's just a ridiculous thing to say. So I think I think the, the whole club um, is in a really precarious place at the moment, which is ridiculous considering they've just won nine league titles in the trot, quadruple treble. They should be a club with those trophies in hand that can look at themselves and say, we're building, even if we, put it this way, if Celtic had a good season this year, and they'd maybe won a cup and finished two points behind Rangers. There would be disappointment, there would be anger, but there would be maybe an understanding of they gave it their best and for whatever reason it wasn't meant to be. But when you look back at it now, with the power of hindsight that we've got here as we speak in February, you just look back at it all and you think, you lose Fraser Foster, a commanding six foot seven goalkeeper with European experience. You replace him with Vasilis Barkas, who albeit as an international, which is a, a, a big box ticked. Physically, not the same stature as Forster. Experience of the, the of British football, of, of UK-based football, didn't have any. The club were offered David Marshall on allegedly £10,000 a week. They turned that down and let David Marshall go elsewhere. We, we saw the difference he made when he was with Scotland. You look at the other recruitment as well. Um, some of it at the time, to be fair, I did think it was okay. You think you're getting a Yeti from the Premier League, right? Okay, that's a good signing. David Turnbull, to be fair, good signing, right? It's another positive. Then Shane Duffy comes out of nowhere. And there was a lot of hype at the time. And I think he had a good start, scored against Ross County. Comes in as the Ireland captain. Again, he came from the Premier League. So people thought, right, here we go, this is a good signing. But ultimately, when you look at Shane Duffy and his profile, he played his best football of his career under Chris Hutton at Brighton when they defended deep, when they defended as a unit and hit teams in the counter. And that's what he was good at. And to be fair, that's what he is good at as a defender. If it's long balls, it's heading balls, it's been physical, he's good at that. When you push him up high, he's been shown time after time this season. He doesn't have the recovery pace. He doesn't have the composure. And when you when you put him in that environment, in my opinion, you're setting him up to fail. He, he continually plays at the moment, which baffles me. And I can only assume he's playing because there must be some sort of penalty clause if he doesn't play a certain amount of games. Because Stephen Welsh, I don't think he's done much wrong for Celtic this season. I don't think Stephen Welsh is the answer for Celtic, Scott. I don't. I watched him at Morton when he was on loan down here. I thought he was steady. He wasn't spectacular, but he was steady. I thought for Celtic, he's not really put a foot wrong. Yet he can't get in the team, and Shane Duffy can when he's had mistake after mistake and poor game after poor game. The whole thing's a mess. And the other thing that, that annoys me, apologies for this long answer, a lot of people are talking about, oh, but he thought he got Sorrow and Tumble playing. He got Sorrow and Tumble playing as a last resort. Scott Brown was playing poorly for weeks and Cham wasn't delivering for weeks and yet he still took months 
and months to the bottle to drop those players and put fresh blood in. Turnbull came in and played really well against Hibs in particular. Had a poor game against St. Johnson and wasn't seen for two months. That's not good management. Sorrow was completely ignored by him the whole time. Then he gets thrown in, plays well, and he sticks with him. So I don't put those down to Neil Lennon, giving them the opportunity. I put that down to Neil Lennon's desperation, where he had no option. But yeah, like as you were saying, Callum, about Sorrow and Tumble, I feel as though Lennon had to be dragged, kicking and screaming to play them. You know, and I've said it on the podcast for a while. Chris knows, right? And Chris is in full agreement with me. Um, see Scott Brown, just because he's a captain doesn't mean he should be in the team every single week. And I feel as though, in terms of his ability, I, I think he's a weak link in the Celtic midfield because I feel as though he slows down the tempo all the time. And when he gets a ball, see when you when he gets a ball, he the passes don't go into productive areas. It's always sidewards, backwards, sidewards, backwards. I actually seen a heat map, right, of how many times Scott Brown has passed the ball forward. It's it's barely any. It's always into, like, non-productive areas. You know, and see when Tumbo and Sorrell came in, I thought, right, for Celtic's midfield, it's a breath of fresh air. Like, Tumbo is a quality player, and he was, he was sitting right in front of Neil Lennon, and Lennon didn't bat an eyelid. He was like, no, I'm just going to stick with Bruni. I, I couldn't get my head around that. It was bizarre. You're, you're right. Um, in terms of Scott Brown, I think he definitely had something to add to Celtic. He still he still does between now and the end of the season, in my opinion. Not as a starter week in, week out. I think that would be it's a naive thing to do, as you've rightly said, considering his age, I think. Scott Brown's the sort of player for me that you would maybe start 10 games, 15 games at a push this season. Um, the sort of guy that when you're playing no disrespect to Hamilton at home and Ross County at home those are the games you maybe start them in and the games that you want to come on and if you're away at Hibs and you're winning with maybe 20 minutes to go you get him on to shoot up the midfield and take the pressure off but as you say for whatever reason Neil Lennon played them week in week out from the start of the season right up to about November time and, and ultimately it did no favours for Scott it did no favours for for Neil Lennon and it did do favours for Celtic but I want to make one thing clear though Scott as well as poor as Scott Brown's been at times I don't think he's the main reason Celtic are not winning the title this season I think I wouldn't I don't think he should be made a scapegoat in my opinion for Celtic this year I think he's been a great servant of the club and I think if anything like I said we taught uh, Sorrow and Turnbull coming in I think he was just mismanaged and at the end of the day Scott Brown, the character that he is, somebody like Lee McCulloch, who Rangers had years ago, they're the sort of player that if you start them week in, week out, aren't they going to go to the manager? Could you imagine McCulloch or whatever going to McCoy, or Smith and saying, don't start me every week, gaffer, give somebody... They're never going to say that because they've got too much professional pride and they always do the job that's asked of them. Ultimately, Neil Lennon, as you say, as a manager, should see that he's getting on a bit, should see that he can't play week in, week out at his age but for whatever reason he didn't, stuck with them. Maybe it was a wee bit of blind faith and paying back the the, the good deeds that he's done for the club. I don't know, but um, as I say, it, it was costly for Celtic. Not the most costly, I would argue, but it, it certainly didn't help. Yeah, no, you're right, because don't get me wrong, I think Scott Brown is a big influence at Celtic, right, in terms of him being a leader. And, and behind the scenes, he's a big influence. Like he's, he's had such an impact on Celtic, don't get me wrong, you know, but... I feel as though, like, as you were saying about the blind faith and just showing too much loyalty, that's 
where that is one of Lennon's biggest faults. You know, and you mentioned Lee McCulloch. I remember when we were playing Falkirk in the championship and we it, Lee McCulloch was playing at centre-half, right? And Lee McCulloch was not a good centre-half because he's not a centre-half, you know? But he was playing there week in, week out. And he's like, OK, if you want me to play there, I'll play there, you know? We're getting beat 2-0 off Falkirk at Ibrox. And McCulloch was at fault for both goals, right? And he, I'll never forget it. Like, he never stopped trying. He always gave it his all. And see when the, when he made that, like, another mistake, but it didn't lead to a goal, but he just made that. I think it was a misplaced pass. The whole eyebrow was just booing him. Like, I've never seen anything like it, you know. But see if fans were at Celtic Park right now, right now do you think it would, would ever get to that stage with Scott Brown where if, like, in terms of the way he's been playing this season, that Celtic fans would, would just turn on him due to how poor results are going and and just take all their aggressions out on him, like if they're in the stadium, if you know what I'm saying. I'm going to say I'm going to sound daft here, right? And I'm not meaning this to be too simplistic. I think Celtic season would be different if the fans were there. I'm not saying they would be invincibles and they'd be a, te- a, a, a team that was ten times better. But Neil Lennon wouldn't have been charged now if fans were there. Neil Lennon would have left probably after that Ross County game. The fans would have put enough pressure on him from the stands for change to be forced. And I, I say it to this day, I think if change was made there and Celtic went out and brought in even someone like Mark Hughes until the end of the season, an experienced taskmaster who's been through coaching, knows the ropes, he could have come in and got Celtic challenging. I'm not saying they would go 5, 10, 15 points clear. I'm not saying that at all. But I don't think they'd be 20 points clear as we speak um, if, if they changed manager and, and they'd done it in, a, in an efficient and effective way. Um, ultimately, We'll never know. <laughs> Let's be honest, we will never know. I think the only thing I would say about the, the, the situation with no fans, as much as I'm sticking up for, for Celtic slightly with that, it's affected every team. It's affected Rangers, it's affected Hearts, it's affected Morton, it's affected East Stirling, it's affected everybody. So I don't think Celtic should cling on to that as the sole reason they've not performed this year. As I say, I think the recruitment was poor, as I mentioned. Mismanagement from Neil Lennon's been been evident since the start of the season, and unfortunately, from November until until even now, it just went from one disaster to another. You go out the League Cup, there's protests. They were pretty sickening, uh, to be honest with you. I, I don't condone them, but you, you you had those situations. Then you had the Dubai situation, the defeat to Rangers. Then you had other defeats in the league, people isolating, Gavin Strachan and chat. It's just been an unmitigated disaster and. If I'm honest, when Peter Lowell announced his retirement, I was hoping that Celtic would maybe clarify Neil Lennon's position and say, Neil Lennon will be going in the summer or whatever it may be. We thank him for the service. Please get behind Neil and the boys for the last, what is it, 15, 18 games of the season. I think he could have turned the corner there because fans would have went, right, he's leaving. Uh, We'll rally behind him and the team and we'll get going. But now, even if they announce that now, I think it's a bit too late for that. I think if they announce I'm leaving now, they need to do what they did when Ronnie Dyler left and announce who the next man will be. So I think if Neil Lennon's to go, they need to say, Neil will depart the club at the end of the season and be replaced by Eddie Howe or whoever it is and generate interest and momentum on the pitch and off the pitch in relation to season ticket sales because as it stands, they're not going to sell anywhere near the number of season tickets that that they have unless they cut prices, which no one Celtic they won't because I don't see... Lots and lots of people queuing up in the numbers the way they have recently under Rogers and under Lennon second time around up until now, paying six hundred quid to 
to watch a team that are going to go into next season behind Rangers, not just on the pitch as we're seeing with the points this season, but off the pitch in terms of recruitment. They've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, it's a, a total rebuild job, so as it's Celtic. And you were talking about Eddie Howe, right? That, I think that's the, the dream appointment for Celtic fans, you know, and do you think he would go to Celtic? Or do you, like, because we all know he's a very good manager, right? And he can, I think he's more than, in fact, I know he's more than capable of getting a job in the Premier League and there will be Premier League clubs after him in the summer. So do you think that is a realistic proposition? Because I feel as it was a bit different in the, like with Rodgers because Rodgers had an end goal where he had to rebuild his career after like he's like getting sacked at Liverpool and he's seen Celtic as a great opportunity to build his, like, his CV up and we see how well he's doing at Leicester. Wouldn't you argue that's... Would you argue that's the same for Eddie Howe? Eddie Howe, I would say, but like I, I like, see, I would say it might be Eddie Howe might have a different mindset in the sense of knowing the fact that he resigned from Bournemouth and he knows he'll be well sought after in the Premier League. But it was different with Rogers because Rogers wasn't exactly on Premier League clubs' radar at that time when he got sacked from Liverpool. So I think he did, he did see the Celtic job as a prime opportunity to rebuild. His, like his career and it's worked out, you know. So, but Eddie, how I feel as though, do you do you think it could happen? What I will say to you is, and obviously, journalists are speculating like us. I spoke to a high-profile journalist um, last week um, who will be a guest on CFB in the coming months, and we spoke off air. And I said to him, "Do you think Eddie Howe would consider Celtic?" And his response was. I know for a fact he absolutely would consider Celtic. Whether they approach him or whatever, I don't know. Um, that was the view of a high-profile journalist. However, on the other hand, I spoke to a high-profile guy who works uh, behind the scenes at Sky a few weeks before I spoke to this guy, and he said the opposite. He said, I don't see him going to Scotland for the simple fact that at Bournemouth he was a wee bit homesick. Sorry, at Burnley he was a wee bit homesick. And I don't know if he'd want to go as far as Glasgow if he was going to move. Maybe somewhere like Newcastle would be far enough, never mind Glasgow. So two completely contrasting views from people um, who have interviewed him and, and, and know him a wee bit more than I do. But I think if he was offered it, he would have to take it. Jason Tindall's just been sacked harshly by Bournemouth as well. So they might get back together and, and work together again. Um, Tindall will be a far better coach for his experience at Bournemouth. How's clearly a coach, as you've rightly said, Scott, that will be sought after by the likes of Palace and your Newcastles, etc. So if Celtic get in early, I think they could do it. Do I see him as a Celtic manager next season? No, prob because I just don't think Celtic will be forward-thinking enough and fast enough to go and get him. And if you were to ask me now who will be the Celtic manager next season, I don't have a clue because I just don't know how the new regime under Dominic Mackay is going to operate. You've heard so many names from Eddie Howe to Rafa Benitez, which is pie in the sky, to Sean Maloney um, coming in, maybe working with John Kennedy. He's been working with Belgium, highly regarded at the club. He was an under-20s coach there as well. Um, so I don't know. Um, one thing's for sure, they have to get that sewn up before the end of the season. But my main worry, and it's a worry, um, if, I, if I put a Celtic hat on briefly here, if, Celtic, if the new chief exec comes in and says to the old Aaron, we'll give you one more season and I'll back you, that terrifies me because I think if they do that, they will go 
miles and miles behind. And your reaction told me everything I needed to know there, Scott. Exactly. Mate, but, that would not surprise me. That would genuinely not surprise me. You know, like the fact that obviously Lennon's not been sacked just now, which is mind-boggling. Exactly. It's like, do you know what it's almost like? Remember a couple of seasons ago, we would say the Hearts job was the safest job in football when Craig Levine was at the helm. And you look at it now, it looks like the Celtic job is the most safest job in football. It's mental. Like, who would have thought Celtic's biggest season in a long time, they're 23 points behind Rangers, could go for, like, they're meant to go for 10, and it's it's not happened, and Lennon is still sitting in charge with no, like, basically no pressure on him from the board. Like, that, like you see the fact that when the board came out and said, right, Lennon, you're staying to the end of the season, it, that's, that just indicates that the board gave up on 10 at that moment, and they said, right, We'll just scrap the scrap this season. Ten's not going to happen. We'll just focus on next season and we'll see what happens. For me, they gave up in ten after that Ross County game when they decided to 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 keep him in post. I think, if, as I keep saying, and I know you can say hindsight, etc., but the, the manner of that performance, the, the the anger from the fans, which, as I say, I don't condone the way it was done um, outside the stadium, etc. For me, that tells you everything. See if you've got people willing to go to that extreme and that level of anger, change your manager because it's broken. They didn't, and now they, they're in the position, as I said at the start of the show, they're in the position they deserve to be in because of the sheer calamities they've had. I mean, deadline day, they signed a right-back on loan, right? They were chasing another centre-back on loan. Why are you signing players on loan for six months to paper over cracks in a season that's pretty much done? Sums up the whole situation. It's a shambles um, for a club of Celtic size. And as I say, my main worry is they they will just toddle along to the end of the season. They might beat Rangers in one of the old fun games and everybody will go, see, it was just pouring momentum. Give them another season. That's my main worry. Hey, Chris, it's, I'll come to you here. Um, see, but, like we're talking about how there's no real discipline at Celtic when you see players like Bolingoli getting off to Spain and you see Lee Griffiths turn up, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, for pre-season unfit. See, does it not alarm you the fact that Frimpong, who has great potential, he was thought highly of uh, Celtic fans, wanted out and obviously he moved away in the January window and then you seen in Cham, which was, I think that was long overdue, that he was going to be going, uh, and he went to Marseille, and we've seen what's the, the fallout of that with EVB resigning because he didn't want him, you know. But see, for a long time since Lennon's been in charge, and Cham has not been at it, and we all know and Cham is a quality player, but under Neil Lennon, he's just not been bothered whatsoever. And that, I think that just sums up players playing under Neil Lennon. Yeah, absolutely. It's not the only alarm thing if, like, our best talents are wanting out the door and they're so easily getting their wish granted, then that's another thing that's totally alarming as well. No, absolutely, you know, because you see, when you look at like a player like Frimpong, talented footballer, right, and I think Celtic fans seen him at the club for a, a number of years, and like, this is a guy that we can rely on, and he can be a top right back in the future, and the fact that he wanted out is concerning, and it, it seems like the only guys that are coming out and sticking up for Neil Lennon is well, the only guy is Scott Brown, and he has to, you know. And even Neil Lennon's best friends, Callum, in the in the media, like Chris Sutton, John Hartson, who have been staunch defenders of Neil Lennon, they even they can't defend what's happened this season, you know. And I think John Hartson is one of biggest one of the biggest Neil Lennon fans out there. He even reluctantly, for his sake, 
came out and said, oh, Neil, this isn't working, you know, but I think it's Neil Lennon's pride is getting in the way of what the real, <clears throat> reality is. And it's he's just damaging his legacy, you know. For, who is that? The guy is regarded as a Celtic legend, great player. He was he, he's won trophies with the club as a manager, and he doesn't realise the damage he's doing to the club and to his legacy. Because let's be honest, guys, like see when we look back at this in a few years' time, when you think about Neil Lennon, the first thing that will come to your mind is he 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 messed up the ten for us. Like he bottled the ten for us. It won't be what he done as a player. It won't be, oh, remember we beat Barcelona under Neil Lennon. It won't be any of that. It'll be the fact that Neil Lennon was a manager who scuppered up the 10 narrow. Well, that's the, that's the thing for Neil. What I want to say, though, to not defend him for the job he's done this season, but to defend him from... I've got pals who say, oh, he's not a Celtic man. He should have resigned, blah, blah, blah. Now, look, it's easy to say that. Very easy to say that. Take the emotion out of it for a minute. Why, why would you walk away from a job, even if it's a club you love and all that, why would you walk away from a job for free when you know if they sack you, you're going to earn hundreds of thousands of pounds? Now, you, you can say, oh, but I would do that if I was in charge. Again, we can all say that, but see until you are in the reality. I mean, I'm not speculating, I don't want to speculate negatively here, but nobody knows what Neil Lennon's financial situation is. Nobody knows if he's made enough money for life. You would hope so and assume so, but you just don't know. So the way I look at it is it's easy to say you should resign and walk away for nothing. That's easy to say. We can all say that. But in reality, look at Chelsea with Frank Lampard. If a tough decision needs to be made, a club of their, worth their salt makes it. And for Dermot Desmond and Peter Loyal, pay up the money that you have to pay to Neil. Neil can walk away or could have walked away at the time, released a statement thanking the fans. We made history with a quadruple treble unable to do it in the league so far this season good luck for the rest of the season hopefully you can you can get it back instead they've let it fester as a board and for all the criticism he's got for not leaving it's the same I mean looking back at Ali McCoy as well people say at the time oh Ali McCoy should have resigned again take the emotion out of it why would you walk away from a lot of money even if it's a club you love because you just don't know the financial situation people are in I know people assume that every person that's earned 18, 20, whatever grand a week set for life. Sometimes they're not, for whatever reason, um, on and off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? So the way I look at it is he's not done a, a job that, that merited him staying so, so as long as he has this year. It's the club's responsibility to sack him. I don't think in modern football you can argue it's the manager's job to resign. Look at Mourinho at Chelsea second time around. The results were disastrous. It was near the relegation zone. Not a chance he would resign. They they had to sack him. They did, and they moved on. And ultimately, that's what Celtic should have done. So people saying he should resign and walk and do all this, I don't really think so. I think that's a job for the Celtic board to do rather than Neil himself. And before we, we wrap up, mate, um, there's one touch on this as well. This is the last thing in Celtic. Um, like going back to that press conference, right? See the way he acted. I put it in the Scots Score chat. The way he acted in that press conference, it was almost like sack me. You know, it was just like almost like sack me, give me my payoff, and I'll go. You know, because Neil Lennon, no matter what anyone says about him, he's not a daft guy, right? Yeah, he, he's very articulate in the way he speaks. You know, and he knows football. So that 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 almost seemed like he was he was just like sack me. So and also as well the fact that Stephen we were in the lower leagues for as long as we were, 
I think that was a prime opportunity for Celtic to rebuild for the next 15, 20 years. Because it, like you, you've seen how we're, we're, we're back to where we are now. Like, And Celtic, when we, when we were in the low league, Celtic had a great opportunity with the financial resources they had and making the Champions League, etc. They should have went like full guns blazing and thought, right, we want to dominate Scottish, Scottish football for the next 20 years. You know, and Celtic got complacent by appointing Ronnie Dyla. And Ronnie Dyla wasn't even meant to be the Celtic manager. It was meant to be Roy Keane. <laughs> and Roy, and Ronnie Dyla was meant, meant to be Roy, uh, Roy Keane's assistant, you know. So in terms of, like, long-building uh, long uh, planning, Celtic messed that up, I think. And obviously, we had Celtic done the quadruple treble. But I'm obviously, that's a great achievement in itself, it is. But... It was that during that process, Rangers were rebuilding. Rangers were going through the rebuilding phase, and it, Celtic weren't exactly up against a very good Rangers team. But now, since Rangers have got back to their best, Celtic have been exposed in the sense of being a bit of them getting very complacent and thinking, "Oh, we're going to just get the ten just like that," you know. And and they underestimated. The, the job that Steven Gerrard was actually doing at Rangers and the rebuilding process that was happening. And downsized, plain and simple. Um, if you uh, To be brutally honest, and I know he left for Leicester and obviously understandably when you consider the financial resources, if Brendan Rodgers or a coach of his calibre was in charge of Celtic and was back the way he wanted to be back, Celtic, and I don't mean to be patronising by saying this, but if Celtic backed Rodgers with John McGinn and, and, and Christian Panici, uh, Petici, sorry, um, then you're talking about Celtic probably getting 10 in a row, probably if they make a shrewd managerial appointment, going on to do 11 and 12s, if, if, because you think of the financial um, disparity only growing, be winning the league, maybe getting into the Champions League again. Ultimately, when Neil Lennon came in as an interim, done a great job getting the team over the line, came in at really tough circumstances, came in at something like 12 hours notice, took them to hearts, won that game, fair play to him for that, it was a tough thing to do even though he had a good squad at his disposal. You fast forward that to to, to to giving him the job and the shivers and the interview and anything. Uh, that was just unprofessionalism of the highest order. Then this season when the going gets tough, again sticking with him too long rather than making the change. And ultimately that level of downsizing has cost Celtic. And Peter Loyal has been a chief executive who has been very shrewd over the piece in his time at Celtic, he's made a lot of profits for the club. He's sold lots of players on at high profits. He's seen himself get big bonuses for getting into the Champions League. He played his part. Fair play to him. Nobody begrudges you when you're doing well. But ultimately, in the end, his, his desire to be shrewd and not go the extra mile and put investment in has ultimately cost Celtic big time. And if you look at it and you say, Rogers leaves Celtic, right? Celtic maybe go and, and target a manager who's available at the time. Benitez was mentioned that first time and um, when, when Lennon got the job, but he was just, he'd just left Newcastle. That was a time to say, yeah, Benitez, come in the two-year deal and we'll give you 10 million quid over two years, five million a season, um, because they got nine and a half or whatever for Rogers leaving. That was a time to recoup the, the compensation money, go and get a top-class manager, give them two years, back them, make the history, and then see if you really want to downsize and you really want to go back to basics. Do that after you've won 10 in a row because the fans wouldn't care. 
I mean, I've got a lot of my pals would say the same. Where if Celtic won ten in a row, then Rangers went one three. I don't think a Celtic fan would care because it would always come back, as you know, Scott, to that bragging rights thing that you get in the west coast of Scotland. I but used didn't blah blah blah, and that's that's the way they went. But now, now you're talking about the reality of the club downsizing big time. You're talking about them not doing ten in a row, and as we sit here in February. You're talking about them getting into next season, looking to, to to stop Rangers doing two in a row and win back-to-back titles. Because as we sit here in February, Rangers have got players like Jack Simpson coming in, signed up for next season, in the squad bedding in, ready to go. I imagine if Kamara or a Tavernier leaves this summer, Gerard's already got about four names in each position who he'll go out and buy quickly, as will Ross Wilson. Celtic, on the other hand, don't know who their manager's going to be next season. They've got a chief executive coming in who's never done the job before. They don't know who's going to be on the coaching staff next season. They don't know which players are going to be there next season because most of them, like your Ayers, your Edwards, allegedly want to leave. What chance have you got? And at the moment, unless they act quickly and get somebody in place for next season and start preparing with a new chief exec and maybe a new recruitment team, I, I don't see how it gets better anytime soon. The damage has been done on a weekly basis. The longer this drags on, the longer the damage is for Celtic. For whatever reason, the club don't see it that way. And they might be right in the end and I might be wrong. And in a year's time, Celtic could be top of five points and a lot of people might say, aye, but you said they'd be behind. So I could be wrong, but as I say, the way I see it at the moment, the longer they leave this, the longer damage they're doing to themselves longer term as well. Absolutely. So guys, it was an absolute pleasure. And uh, I, very enjoy- I really, really enjoyed that show. I thought it was very good. And uh, until next time, guys, uh, we'll take care. And we'll see you soon.